Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Mid-Alt that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. This podcast is brought to you by M&S Beauty. They've done the legwork so you don't have to. Prepare to be surprised. By the way, if you listen to this on a new app called Entail, E-N-T-A-L-E, you'll be able to see pictures, shop links, and generally have a really relaxing magazine experience. Hi, I'm Emily, and uh, well, I'm absolutely fine, but I woke up at 1.38 this morning um, to the smell of burnt toast, and once I had established that no one in the house was actually making toast, I thought stroke, uh, and literally spent three hours lying in bed thinking, is it coming, is it coming, is it coming? And then fell back asleep, it kind of exhausted for about another half an hour. Anyway, um, and you, Annabelle, how are you? Hello, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. But I'm really wrestling with the demons today and the horror and my head is spinning, spinning so much so. I'm trying to walk it off. I'm trying to walk the horror off. But um, I walked for um, an hour this morning feeling a little bit limpy and just thought, you know, pull yourself together, Rifkin, don't be pathetic. And then took my shoe off and found a pool of blood because there had been a shard of glass in my heel the whole time. So I don't know if that makes me incredibly brave and heroic or absolutely fucking insane. You, I don't want you to answer that question. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and answer that question. But we do have someone here to answer another question. Is social media ruining your life? Catherine Ormerod started her career as a fashion assistant at Sunday, the Sunday Times Style before moving to Grazia and swiftly becoming a fashion influencer in her own right. But with nearly 50,000 followers, she began to have her suspicions about the social circus. So last year, she launched workworkwork.co, an anti-perfectionism platform, as well as examining what social media can do for us women, be it smart or sinister, in her brilliant book, Why Social Media is Ruining Her Life. She has also just got her 11th piercing welcome Catherine how are you thank you for having me um hi I'm Catherine and I'm absolutely fine but in between waking up at 12 30 3 a.m this morning I also got a 2 a.m wake up from the students that live upstairs from me now if I said that they have mini festival um you know twice a week that 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 would be maybe maybe underestimating the level of noise they make also recently when it was notting hill carnival they had 12 people over and they didn't leave the house so we had notting hill carnival in our flat for four days for four days oh my i God. mean apparently it rained so <laughs> you know <laughs> what are you meant to do so did it like did, you know what i really resent is when someone puts me in the position where i have to be that woman Yes, exactly. You know, where someone's, you know, I'm on the phone to my health insurer or I'm on the phone to, you know, the council or I'm on the phone to something and they're being, as far as I'm concerned, so incompetent and unreasonable that I become that woman and I have to start shouting and screaming and then I resent them even more if the shouting works. Definitely, because, like definitely because you want to be like the cool one. Like the tricky thing is I wore wax earplugs for years and years and years, but then when you have a child, it's a bit frowned upon to be wearing wax yes. earplugs every night. You know, because you, you can't hear them cry. <laughs> I know, and that's, you know, apparently that's not okay. <laughs> apparently it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of your anti-perfection platform because that's really lies at the heart of everything that we do. The idea that perfection is for other people, the idea that it's really cold and hurtful. It is. I also think it's really old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that things are changing so quickly and we all have access to so many ways to express ourselves that the fact that the brands out there that are just selling us this kind of one-note 
very clean, sanitised version of life, which no one really can The trouble is, by. they're using all of these platforms available to them to peddle the perfection exactly. of us. So there's exactly. a tension there. Yeah, there it's definitely. And it's, it, you're right, actually. I hadn't thought of it as old-fashioned in the sense, but it is still those sort of fairy mothers, isn't it? With the apron and all the sort of the 1950s kind exactly. of American dream exactly. style. Exactly. Where the, and you know that inside these women, well, I'm just assuming that they're going, get me out of here! Well, we've, we've read the feminine mystique. We know yeah. the, the the problem that has no name. Yeah. You know, we know what the name is now. It's you know discontent, anxiety, depression, <sighs> feeling very disappointed with all the things that you thought would be perfect, but sadly, oh are god. Not. <laughs> <laughs> And on a lighter note, perhaps, let's talk about your mother. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so, you know, as you were growing up, I think, you know, we all know and accept that a lot of our self-image filters down from our mothers. And what was your mother's relationship with her face and her body and her physical self? So my mum grew up in a council house and um, she was very, very glamorous even as a young woman, um, and really shunned the kind of like Butlins dancing competition background of my grandparents. So they'd go on holidays, and even when she was 13, she'd say, no, I'm not going. Really? So she refused. Refused, and she was all about Mary Kwan and plucking your eyebrows to a tiny little light, you know, and really, really going for it, spending all of your money on clothes and being really obsessed with having, like, Vidal Sassoon haircuts. And at one point she said she came back and one side of it was up by her eye and the other side by her chin, and her mum absolutely lost it because my nan was the quintessential 50s housewife, you know, looked the same. As so what will the neighbours think? Exactly. She looked the same from 35 to 75. There was no difference. She did, however, have about 150 pleated skirts so you know even though it was very very conservative she obviously had an acquisitive nature (laughs) a lot of ironing as well well for her they were perhaps vastly different there we go um you know sometimes if you if you have a thing you have many iterations of that exactly like people have the brett on top these days don't they they've got like 50 different versions or the gray mall or whatever exactly but um yeah my mum always struggled with her weight because she's curvy and obviously that wasn't the thing in the 60s and 70s she's five foot in her bare feet you know five foot one maybe and um she hates her legs she said the worst thing always was that she couldn't get the zips done up on the knee-high boots you know it's a a tricky thing when your figure isn't the figure of the era of the moment and it really wasn't it was all those Penelope trees I think there's something interesting in this though because it's like what happens at the moment you know Emily and I were saying when we were growing up we were 14 what you really really didn't want was a big ass I mean, that was a disaster. Yeah. It was kind of the, almost the worst thing you could have physically. And look where we know, are today. So, yeah. And so I look at these, you know, the 18-year-olds who are having their tits done, their teeth done, their noses done, their arses done, and I think, that's a bit like a pair of jeans. You might not want to wear that next year. You've left yourself no room to accept yourself. It's like putting on a new coat, except it's your body. It is. I think it's, yeah, definitely tough, because like my mum's got a tiny, itty-bitty waist and a big bum, and, you know, like nowadays... Heaven. And as she says, every Actually, man... Actually, always her, yeah, heaven. Exactly. She said every man that she's ever known or been with has always said that she's got an amazing figure, but it's what you do to yourself, isn't mm. it? So That's, she, it's, all, yeah. it's how you compare yourself and how you project the, the images and it isn't it's so annoying because exactly. exactly every man or whatever will have will have said to her this is great this is what I want and yet not enough yeah and so yeah. what do you have a, a memory of watching her do herself up 
I mean, she does herself up every day. Does like she? she is properly glamorous. Um, What's her just look? It, um, makeup on, dark glasses, you know, pair of patent shoes, still very pulled together. She looks very young for her age. Um, and she would definitely be the type of mum that if I came in looking a bit wan would be like, you need some lipstick. Okay. You know, <clears throat> you need some colour on your face, is what my she would My mother once bought me a red umbrella because she said it would cast a rosy glow over my face. <laughs> I That's mean, it's so smart, funny. you know. A friend of mine's mother was speaking to her on Skype and literally stopped her halfway through a kind of, you know, and said, Darling, that Skype angle is not very good. Why don't you just shift the screen a little bit? Well, that's psychotic. <laughs> but, Catherine, what did your mother teach you about how to look after your face? She always tells me that it's about radiance. So it's about having a reflective surface on your skin. It's about the angles and that that if you've got, you know, really dry skin or uh, you haven't exfoliated or whatever, the, the light won't reflect off your cheeks. That's like the key to looking youthful and vivacious. Mm-hmm. So I think she's really smart. Like she, she does look really good as well. So, so there you go. Do yeah. you remember the first time that you started to experiment with makeup? Yeah, I mean, I was a stage kid. Were you? (laughs) For my sins, so I did the West End as a child. What did you do? Um, Joseph. So when I was nine, I did a a run of that, and then um, did, like, Royal Variety performance and all of that kind of stuff. All singing, all dancing. All singing, all dancing. I wasn't very good at the dancing, but... (laughs) In our 20s, we used to do those dance classes. We used to go to a hip-hop one called Express Yourself. And every time, my friend and I, we used to just end up in a tangle. She once punched me during kind of one of those, like, my prerogative or Bobby Brown moves. But, but anyway. you know, it's okay, I guess. But, like, I just... It's I've... not great if, if, you know, you're on stage at the Palladium. No. Um, <laughs> so you got used to having... Yeah, so... Slap put on your face. Oh, we were actually taught how to do our own. Aged. So nine. So they taught you how to put your stage your stage yeah, face on. And exactly. when did you start actually putting it on for yourself? I was probably 11. I think I was already plucking my own eyebrows by then, which I... Really? Yeah, I did well, a lucky, pretty good job. Well, lucky, they grew back. Yeah, they did. Because yeah. <laughs> um, often they don't. So talk us through the different faces of... Catherine. I suppose my, my biggest, 11. yeah, the biggest one was around about 14 when I had my hair cut in a Rachel Green from Friends uh, haircut. Of course, of course. And Those bloody layers. Yep. And I threw away my glasses, which have always been, they were a bone of contention. You make it sound as though you sort of stood on the edge of a cliff and flung them off the top like it was a scene pretty from the line. Like <laughs> it was like, oh, I've lost them. <laughs> like that. Um, Oops. So I actually couldn't see for a long time. I'm okay. soothing. Yeah, it was, you know, you look great in the mirror when you can't really <laughs> see yourself. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I, I think I was quite indie for a moment. So it was a lot of like just dark lipstick, but quite pale face. And then I got really into the garage scene oh. when I was like 15, 16. So was that tracksuit bottoms? So it was like from a beauty perspective, it was quite hardcore because okay. I had a fringe. So I gel it. And then you get a really, really big round brush, kind of the size of a Coke can, and then a very, very hot hairdryer and like curl your fringe around it so it sat out in like a roll, but in in specific spikes. Quite thin. Yeah, thin, thin. I remember that look. Thin kind of curls like that, like a lot of pale base, pale lipstick, and massive acrylic nails with a very squared off tip and... um, what's it called a French manicure and I was um, I worked on the tills at Sainsbury's so did you clack yes like angry that. sounding With, yeah angry sounding acrylics the whole time and 
oh my god I loved it I wore Moschino jeans and Patrick Cox Lothers with no you know socks and got my tops from Morgan and I just tops from Morgan I I absolutely loved it as a look you know seven for all mankind jeans as well it was quite for for young women it was that was quite an empowering look it was because you looked like you meant business you looked like you know you could you were it was a very capable look it is quite hard yeah I'd say (laughs) on on the flip side especially if you're wearing a lot of gold jewelry something which continues like that's continued throughout my (laughs) like I love heavy cheap looking gold jewelry that's like one of my big signatures and you know back then girls were wearing clowns around their neck with like Mm. you know I remember all of this (laughs) it's so funny (gasps) sovereign rings all of that vibe yeah what's happened to all that stuff it's still uh, H. Samuel you can still still get it I've I've still got bits and bobs of it yeah Yeah. you know and you keep hold of those things so that was like my big look and then I went to university and things really changed because you know no one was really from where I was from at university it was in Edinburgh and everyone was really really posh Edinburgh is a very 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 posh university it is so you had the few Scottish people which you know obviously it's in the heart of Scotland you'd think it was a very Scottish feeling university but it wasn't it was a public school graveyard and everyone came from such a different background to me strangely enough no one had a crusty fringe (laughs) (laughs) or some heavy gold jewelry jewelry, apart from the signet rings well exactly quite (laughs) um yeah so everything kind of softened for a bit and i think that's the time that i really was trying to make myself look good looking for boys mm. like that's the moment and I don't know if that's because I was it's like exactly a, when you give your power away it was it's when you try and do something to get a reaction so the moment you start dressing to be boy pretty everything slightly goes to shit doesn't it I think it did and then for the first time I, I was on the pill and I gained a lot of weight yeah that happened to me at university um, and like instead of being like a really slim size 6 to 8 I was like a size 12 and obviously that's you know I'm five foot two, so it's you know it it did feel considerably bigger, but I got a huge bosom as well, Mm -hmm. and learning to dress for a completely different shape like overnight. I mean, I seriously, I take my hat after my pregnancy. I went from a a 32B to a 34G, and I kept those boobs all the way through until I stopped breastfeeding. It's so difficult to dress. It's very difficult. It really is, and nothing works. you don't realise how privileged you are when you don't have it in the context of fashion. Yeah. Like, being flat-chested is a privilege that you do not realise yeah. that you have. And we talk about, you know, having boobs and how sexy it is and how men like it and blah, 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 blah. But, like, from a female-on-female perspective, it's incredibly tough. So I massively have huge respect to the, all the stylish women out there with a rack because it is tough. Yeah, it is tough. It really is. Anyway, so that really... I don't know, it messed with me a lot. Mm. I changed my hair all the time. I think I was just desperate to find something. I think that's something. a university thing. It, yeah, I, I was really lost. I think you get lost. a fringe, you get rid of the fringe, yeah. you dye it blonde, yeah. you do this, you just, anything not to be sort of who you are, and it, exactly. or to try and find out who you could be. Exactly. I know, I had like a purple, I had like sort of blonde hair with a purple streak at the back, and I used to wear it in a kind of like French like bun so that you could see the shock of purple underneath. But at the same time, I was sort of like a blue stocking. i kind of forgotten my whole... London vibe as well, which had been sort of tracksuit bottoms and Nike Air Jordans. But it's the and big first time in your earrings. life you get to go and you think, oh, clean slate. No one knows who I am. Yeah. I could be anyone. Yeah. Well, I, and I didn't know yeah. who I was. I, so it was hopeless. Yeah. Still don't. Well, that's also true. <laughs> I, um, I was blonde. So obviously we use the 
term blonde lightly because obviously I've got very dark hair, so I was orange, you know. <laughs> mm. Like, the bottom bits went blonde yeah, after it's not it had like been you could bleached. to go to an excellent colourist <laughs> no, exactly. who's going to gently guide your hair exactly. from black through exactly. to sort of, you know, but the, caramel. The bits at the end got to the blonde because they'd obviously... Eventually. Yeah, eventually, after, like, seven or eight times, <laughs> they were then blonde. But the bits at the roots, I mean, they were just orange. They were just so, orange. Yeah, I, it just was not a strong moment for me at all. Looks and then wise. what happened when you, you you left and you started work? And you know, you remember when you get you think, ah, now I'm a sort of professional executive type, even though you're. Yeah, so I started doing that in fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was I worked for free for two years as a fashion intern on different magazines. At the same time, I was doing a masters at London College of Fashion. Um, and it was really another tough gig again because I had no money. So I don't know, it was really tough. I was commuting in from Maidenhead every day. Um, I was on a train for four hours every single day to like, you know, financially you do these crazy things to make things work. Yeah. I just, when you've got no money, you've got no money. But the things that I still spent my money on, (laughs) always foundation, always good mascara. And that's really where the top black liner started and I've never left that. That's now my... I've, you know, it's I've, very good. Your feline flick. Yes, yeah, I, I like. I don't like to leave the house without. Uh, oh, you really don't. Even I if you're really going don't. to buy the you know milk on a if, Sunday morning. Not really. <laughs> I, I've, I've people say to me, "Are you all right?" If they see me without. Oh, it. really? Yeah. It's a real indicator that things have gone awry. And so, when you when you were much younger, is there anything about your face or body that you really wanted to change? You really oh, disliked? Yeah. That in fact, perhaps now. It's something that it's part of the definition of who you are and you really embrace, but at that point was just a nightmare. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got big features. I've got a strong nose. I also have crooked teeth. Mm. Um, and that, it just, I've gone through periods where I've really thought, you're British, those are the teeth you're meant to have. Yeah. They're charming, it's part and parcel of, you know, that. and then I've gone through periods where I'm like, okay, I need to get Invisalign. When we talk about changing ourselves and changing things up and ever shifting and wanting to be better and perfection. Now, social media, mm. I'm not sure that's been very helpful. I know there are lots of people now sort of, you know, being, uh, talking, talking anti-perfection, but there's, I, I just, they're, most of them are very beautiful. Yeah, it's the tricky thing, isn't it? It's like the whole wellness movement with these women with natural six packs who are yeah. a bit like, hmm, you were going to be very attractive no matter what you ate, <laughs> you know. I mean, in the book, I, um, you know, I interviewed some plastic surgeons and they said that before people would come and say, I want my nose changed or I want my chin changed. Or, and now people just holistically say they want their face changed and they can't even pinpoint something that's wrong or else they start to talk about the things that they change in apps, in photoshopping from selfies. So there's this idea that they want to restore their face to the fake version of it that they share with the world. Yeah. And that's... Trying to be a a filter. Be a filter, exactly. Change your face to the filter. It's almost like, you know, when you're playing on on Snapchat or whatever and you turn yourself into a cute bunny and you think, oh, maybe I could just be a cute bunny. I'm so (laughs) mad, isn't it? It's like, no, you can't be a cute bunny. You're a 43-year-old woman. I love myself as a cute bunny in a way that I don't love myself as a human woman. Yeah. I mean, and that is actually depressing. depressing yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I really loved about your book, Catherine's book, just to, uh, is called Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life, um, was the way that it blended argument with autobiography. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were saying earlier before we went on air that um, I enjoyed the fact she's, she, she's talking about something very intelligent about, you know, 
social media and contemporary life and so on, she'll say, and then I was in an abusive relationship and, you oh. know, he threw a plate at me and he sat in the dark waiting to be rageful. And, you know, so you, you kind of, you were willing to share quite a lot of that. And I'm interested mm-hmm. in what experiences like that would do to um, your relationship with your own physical self and what you saw when you look in the mirror. I mean, I've had some, like, really horrible breakups and one of them in particular... Um, when he left he said that I was an unattractive person and he couldn't bear to touch me or like you know that he couldn't imagine ever going to bed with me again because I was repellent oh. um, and do you know like for for a little while obviously that goes through your mind and then at some point you've got there's always like this is my mum again horses for courses <laughs> you know you're always going to be someone's cup of tea like at the end of the day I'm not like you know as lo- even if you are a gargoyle like there's going to be Mrs. Gargoyle Shrek for you too do you know what you else know? you like- know in our, in, in, in our book I'm absolutely fine well, well, the chapter on relationships we we called it's not me it's you yeah because it sometimes is. I mean, in that case, I mean, actually, it was just a full vindication of how awful yeah. he actually yeah. was. Do you know what I... So, o- obviously, it, it has some kind of an impact on your scene, but I just it just didn't last very long, yeah. I have to be honest. Like, That's so good, because I was in a really, like, dodgy relationship for about a year, and actually, when we finally broke up, it wasn't the relationship I mourned, but it was my loss of my, loss of my sense of self, like how I could yeah. let someone kind of humiliate me and make me feel so less than yeah also I think that's that feeling that you could be someone's saviour I definitely had that broken bird I'm the one to fix you yeah Yeah. Um, and and guess what yeah it never worked (laughs) (laughs) Um, however on the flip side I'm now in a relationship with someone who needs nothing and that was by far the hardest like moment in any of my relationships well, going just, I don't understand yeah he doesn't he doesn't need me he just wants to be with me oh my goodness he needs nothing from me he would be absolutely fine in every way like obviously he'd miss me and he loves me but like he requires absolutely no nothing. caretaking no, no bolstering we don't have to sit and discuss any problems so you're not he's with got it. a vampire I'm not he's like in- entirely entirely content and confident in every one of his decisions in life it, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> We've both gone silent. <laughs> kind of shock. I mean, I, sometimes I'm like, do you think there's something wrong with you? Like, I find that, it... that, 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 like, Are you actually a robot? Are you a replica? What have you got for me today, Annabelle? Well, it slightly sticks in my craw, if I'm honest, because one of my pet hates, I've got a few, is when celebrities partner with established brands. I just don't like it, I don't buy it, I'm not interested in it. The whole thing annoys me. Don't think it's authentic. But this is really good, so I've got to tell you about it. However involved, you know, her ladyship was with it. This is Rosie for Autographs. So it's Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, who is very goddess-like. And this is called Sheer Finish Complexion Enhancer. Um, So it is a tinted moisturizer by any other name. It's a funny time of year because I feel like my skin is a different color every day. I feel like my tan's faded, but I'm not yet like properly consumptive green that I kind of go in January and, and you know, and which way do I go with what tinted moisturizer I use? Am I, you know, I just, I'm not quite sure 
what's going on with my face at this time of year. And also, I'm not really a foundation-y person, much as I love makeup. I just think foundation's tough. The only time I really use it is, like, Christmas party time, when I'm pretty white and I want to do a full face of slap. Do you ever wear it? I, I don't think I've ever worn foundation ever in my entire life. Maybe once when I was being photographed for something, but that's it. Yeah, when you were being photographed. So pure and yet so grand. Oh, I know, exactly. <laughs> yes, there's many times that I've been asked to do shoots. <laughs> um, I think even you could handle this. It's particularly, particularly nice. I mean, it's not, it, I use it in a, in, a, in a shade called deep beige. It's neither a kind of high summer drag queeny, jersey shorey orange, nor is it a matte winter ghostly alabaster base. It's just a little bit honeyed which is frankly what you want. Um, and you can put it on, I like rear view mirror makeup. I like makeup you can put on, on the bus, on the tube, in the dark, hopefully, you know, looking at one part of my face at a time because I've only got a small mirror and who wants to look at all their face at the same time anyway. And you literally squirt it into your hand and rub it in like moisturizer and it's just incredibly hard to get wrong. Um, do you want to try some on the back of your hand? Yeah, I will, absolutely. So I've taken it and it's very pleasing already. Um, it looks quite orange, but is that just because... Just rub it in. It's warming. Ooh. Well, my hand looks very glossy. I wonder it's if... It's got a nice... I don't know what's in it to make it... It's got that Ooh. nice blurring, veily thing where it just covers some of the horror. Do you think Jason Statham will like my hand now? He'll fancy your hand. Um, He'll find my hand irresistible. <laughs> Talk to the hand, Jason. <laughs> It's kind of bit youth giving, bit health aching, bit hangover hiding, and the reason, one of the reasons I know I really, really like it is, is it a because bit... I have finished a tube of it. Gosh, and I find it really hard to finish anything. I mean, who here has ever finished a lipstick? Is it a bit like your life is falling apart, but I'm, but I'm absolutely fine, kind of hiding? Yes, yeah, so I'm held together by dry shampoo and Rosie for autograph, sheer finish, complexion enhancer, and that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Catherine, because she's a fashion influencer, doesn't have anything as workaday as a makeup bag. She has an actual Chanel handbag, which is very small, um, full of delicious things that we're going to examine. Listen to that. Sorry, they're not all neat because I actually use all the stuff. See, this is the telltale. If someone pulls something out of their makeup bag that looks new, they don't use it. Yeah, that's true. It has to look like there's makeup on the outside of it and the lid doesn't really what fit anymore. What do you use anymore. on your skin? <laughs> what do you use to wash your face with? To be fair... It ha I've used everything in my day. Like I've gone through whole sort things, Dermalogica, from Le Mer to this to that. Yeah. Nothing has made a huge difference. Yeah, um, what I think does make a difference is doing like a weekly um, mask. So that is something that I do. And the, what I really, really love, I don't know if you um, know Pixie Woo and Beauty Pie, her brand. Yeah. It's a five minute um, mask that's it's got granules in it but it's also got fruit acids so you can put it on your have you a know, scrub have a th thing you leave it for five minutes have a scrub take it off put your moisturizer on and then it, so if I've got a shoot and I'm like I want the makeup to go on well that's what I'll do okay that's hot tip but, um, um, so what is this by Terry Tube so this here? is in my opinion the best like coverage but not coverage foundation 
on the market. They do actually another one that comes in a brush, which is even lighter. Yes, I know that one. I don't know this one. This is the by Terry. By the way, she is the lady who invented Touche Claire. Yes, business. so she is Queen of Radiance. She, she is. Really this is. is this is the by Terry Perfecting Fluid Foundation yeah. Ultra cor- Ultra Correcting Coverage. Does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So like, what 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 I don't want is something super thick. But equally, I think I've got to the stage with my skin where I I can't just have a a, a, a veil anymore you mm. know I need a bit more than a veil so I think that's a really good in between one and yeah um, I know what you mean somewhere that sits between tinted exactly, moisturizer and, exactly, and pancake makeup exactly and it's SPF 15 and you put it on your skin and it feels that you're doing something nice for yourself so I, I actually I start with my eyes though oh interesting because if the eyes go wrong you're gonna have to do some removal right and let's face it when you're doing a feline flick, it goes wrong. You never know what's never gonna know. happen. You never know. You think, come on now, come on, guys, exactly. we're gonna get it right this match, time. Match, match, match. <laughs> or sometimes they match, but you've somehow made your eyes look smaller, yeah. or you've got the angle wrong, or you've just somehow the gods have not been on your eyeliner exactly. side. Exactly. It's it's every single day is an unpredictable surprise. What a thrill! It is. But this eyeliner is, without a doubt. Objectively, not even subjectively, the best eyeliner on the market. Rimmel. It's Rimmel Glamizer. Oh. It costs five pounds. I'm looking for a new look. So I buy um, yeah, ten of you, them I every time. Do you? Is that yeah. I agree with you. I think a brush for a liquid eyeliner is yeah. much better than a felt tip. Yeah, the felt tips run out. But also, but also they're heavy handed, yeah, they're they hard to... They are. And it, it's, it, I think the first few times you use a felt tip, it's really great, but then that spongy bit goes a bit bitty on the end. And what you need is the sharp line. Um, uh, you know, I love this eyeliner. And pretty much every beauty editor will say, do you use it? Like, everyone knows about it. It should be as famous. So this famous. is Rimmel Glamise Professional Liquid Liner. Yeah, and it doesn't crumble. It stays on all day. You can make a sharp line. It's it's easy and it's cheap. It doesn't clog up. So you the know? eyeliner goes on first. The eyeliner then goes the mascara. first, then mascara very quickly because I often get a bit of eyeliner on my lashes. And what you don't want to do is let that ever dry because then you'll have like three very fat lashes right. and I prefer for them to look slim. So Definition, Lancome, Classic and Noir Infini. I've been buying this mascara for more years than I know. I always I think get once it. once you find your yeah. mascara, it's, what's it's, the point? What's the point? In changing There's it. There's no point. And like it, it has a very slim classic brush. There's no volumizer. There's no bit on the end. It's just a, a classic mascara wand, you know. Um, I always buy it in duty-free, even if I'm going somewhere where there's no duty. I don't know what it is. It's like, it must be cheaper I'll, here. It's what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's a ritual. It yeah. is. And we all have it them. Is. And it they're is. rather fun, actually. And also, airport money isn't the same as monopoly money. It's yeah. like airport exactly. calories. Yes, exactly. exactly. So yeah, I'll do that. And then I go for my eyebrows and I use this Tom Ford little palette just this darker one um i did get my eyebrows microbladed but i still fill them in a bit and it's got a really nice angled brush so that's that's like your everyday eyes i feel like your face hangs off your eyebrows it's like it's the sort of foundations of the architecture of what's going on they're so important exactly and then if i need a jazzy eye I use NARS, this one, it's called Galapagos. It's brown with a bit of a... Oh, bit of a shimmer. Bit of a shimmer, and I'll put that in the crease. I've actually got it in today. And then this is by Terry's, like, star product. It's Misty Rock. It's the Ombre 
ombre black star and it is the most amazing so that's somewhere between sparkle. eyeliner and eyeshadow yes exactly so i'll i'll put just a little bit of it in the and uh, you know in the, in the, the corner of the eye yeah, and it I just do. suddenly you look put like, stars in your eyes it does and like that's a really good change from being in the office or running around town to I've got to be at a drinks party in seven minutes. The Uber says it's going to take seven, you yeah, know. So you've got... Yeah, just done. And yeah, it's um, like, who's got time for a blow dry? Who's actually going to change their clothes? Exactly, I know, a bit of glitter. Exactly, the final bit of colour of the face, and I love this product, and I've used it and buy it to death, is um, it's the Chanel Jus Contrast. Do you know what I love? In, um, is, the, um, is the sound the Chanel Compact makes when it shuts. Yeah. <laughs> Like so an expensive nice. car door. It is. So this is a, a rosy cheek. It is, and it's called Malice, which I uh, particularly uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be very malicious with my blusher today. <laughs> oh, and it, I, f- I find that this particularly suits an olive skin tone. My mum wears it as well. Um, it's just, it's very warming. So it's not lots of... And then and all your of, gold jewellery. Yeah, all my gold jewellery. Jangle, jangle, you know. Dressing for the face. Um, and Catherine, is there, <gasps> lastly, is there a is there a mantra that you live by? Is there something that kind of crosses your mind every day, or when you're feeling weird or mad or bad, or I mean, anything that sort of points your brain and your personality in the right direction? It's difficult, isn't it? Like with relationships, I definitely have one, and that's that life is a patchwork of love, and you can't think that it's in the way now we accept that our careers aren't this linear path. I think we've got uh, we've got over that. We need to do the same in our romantic lives and understand that it's you know this crazy up and down helter skelter snakes and ladders journey. It isn't just this one trajectory of positivity and excitement. And also, I think our generations learned that you can't expect everything from one person. You really can't, and that's the richness of it. And how amazing that you know I've got recipes from one of my ex's mums that I still cook with, and music on playlists that I know about because a friend of another ex. And I've got that kind of depth of experience through all of the different people that I've been with to be where I am now. It's basically you know? turning regret on its head, isn't it? You have to, because what are you going to do? Like, I could sit here, I really could sit here and be like, man, I messed up my 20s. <laughs> I, I mean, I did. Yeah, I, yeah. There's no two Hands ways up. about it. I messed it up. I made big mistakes. I wasn't a great person. Like, I'd let bad things happen to me professionally, romantically, you know, everything. But, you know, what am I going to do? It's five years ago now. I've got to move on. Yeah. My 40s is ahead now. I've got, you know, a whole other decade to regret. So. That's when it gets really <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's like, you know, and I think it's tough, isn't it? Like, you you can so get into this spiral of spiral of spiral of spiral. And it's like knowing that you're in it and knowing to say, okay, you've got you to change something up, you've got to go to the gym, you've got to go to a walk, you've got to FaceTime your mum, you've got to do something instead of like really indulging it. And that I've definitely struggled with because oh, it's awful to say, but there is a level of like joy from your own pain as well, you know, the wallowing. Getting high on it. I, and that, that I think is, that's probably the toughest thing. Yeah. It's no. letting go of that. Yes. And thinking, do you know what? It's okay. You don't have to be tortured anymore. That doesn't have to be part of your personality. Like with my boyfriend, nothing wrong with him. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, sorry, Again, you know. I feel, I feel that I can't have this discussion. Well, I'm, just, I'm just going to say, Catherine Ormerud, you're an absolute sensation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. 
You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. What's normal anyway? Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.